We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is the first early Sunday morning recording we've had in a while. In like a year, it feels, right? <laughs> feels like a It lifetime. might actually be like a year. Since we've done an early morning one. Yeah, usually we do them um, around dinner time. Mm-hmm. So When we're tired from the day, not tired because the day hasn't started. <laughs> yes, yes. I just started my coffees, so we'll see how this goes. Did you say coffees as in plural? No, coffee, singular. Okay. I just have the one cup right now. What's the flavor today? It is... Death Coffee, like the Death Coffee mm-hmm. Company, and it's pumpkin spice flavored. Yum. Do you have like milk or creamer in it too to make it like latte-y? Nope. Just nope. that little Just hint black nutmeg? Mm-hmm. It's really nice. good. I like it. I dig it. Nice. You can sponsor us if you want Death Coffee. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and then we'll have so many early mornings. We will. I will so force nice. us to be recording early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if you've noticed, but I kind of have a theme when it comes to this holiday. We're going to be discussing the Thanksgiving Day Massacre of 1637. Horrific. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. We're just Anything gonna... with a massacre and a, and a cute little holiday is just really messed up. Let's, let's check it out. Yep. So information was pulled from the following sources. A 2023 Delish article by Kristen Salaki. 2022 Insider Article by Aln Kane and Joey Hayden, 2021 Scientific American Article by Alec Weitzel, 2021 Snopes Article by Nur Ibrahim, 2021 Time Article by Peter C. Mancall, 2021 WGBH Article by Philip Martin, 2021 World History Encyclopedia Article by Joshua J. Mark, 2018 The Land is Ours Article by Tony Gosling, 2012 Philadelphia Magazine article by Christopher Morath, Candid slash Native Americans in Philanthropy article, History.com, Native Voices article, The People's Paths article by John Westcott and Paul Apodaca. I apologize if I mispronounced your last name. Zen Education Project in Wikipedia. Nice. Very thorough. All of the links. So now all of the links to these articles will be included in the show notes. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. Over the last several years, many Americans have begun to question the celebration of many things that have become part of our national culture. What? Like Christopher Columbus Day? I was just going to say, think Columbus Day, Mm -hmm. which is still considered a federal and bank holiday, 
that commemorates Christopher Columbus's landing in the New World on October 12, 1492. We just like having a day off. I think we just need to label it. You know what? You know what we should do? Just just now, looking at your cup that you put to the mm-hmm. camera, nobody can see it, but it says tits out for liberty. We should have a National Titty Day in lieu of Columbus. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what you would tell the children. Boobies for bureaucracy? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe just focus <laughs> on the bird. Be like, hey, remember this bird? That's crazy, right? <laughs> Eagles have boobies too. I don't know. It's, the coffee hasn't hit yet. But today, many states in the United States have changed the name to now be Indigenous Peoples Day or American Indian Heritage Day in light of the fact that, spoiler alert, Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit. (laughs) Most explorers were. They really were. Yep. And if you don't want me to ruin one of the United States' most famous food holidays, you may want to skip this episode because the holiday that we're supposedly so thankful for is actually super duper awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It does not go well with corn casserole. I'm just going to say it right now. It does not pair well. No, although I am making that for Thanksgiving this year. There you go. And green bean casserole. Because I'm, I'm all about the casserole. recipes will be linked in the show notes. <laughs> my favorite recipes after like talking about the massacre the whole time. Yeah. Oh, if wow. you want my recipes, send me a DM. Slide into my DMs. I will share. So historians debate on when the first real origin of Thanksgiving took place. In school, we're taught that it was between the 53 pilgrims from the Mayflower and 90 of the Wampanoag peoples at Plymouth, Massachusetts in October of 1621. Yep. That's up for debate. Yeah. Most historical events that need to be covered up in some way have different dates. Yeah. So way back in 1619, so really only a few years prior to that, Mm-hmm. There's evidence that settlers in Berkeley 100, which is now Virginia, celebrated their safe arrival to the New World with a Thanksgiving meal that was likely oysters and ham. No, thanks. I'll take the ham. Yeah, that's... Uh, but that kind of weird surf and turf is not, not my version. Thank you. No. I don't even know if I would eat the ham because chances are it was like salted pork that they brought with them. Like spam kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Just re- just a really salty meal of spam and oysters. No thanks. I guarantee you they all had explosive diarrhea after that Thanksgiving. They, I'm so they had diarrhea from the old world too. Like they that's just they they were born That was their state of being. And just had <laughs> diarrhea. That's all it was. <laughs> the water? Diarrhea. You mean some people poop solids? Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Prior to that, there is evidence that Spanish settlers and members of the Timucua tribe in Florida celebrated a form of Thanksgiving in 1565 that consisted of salted pork, garbanzo beans, and a Roman Catholic mass. I wonder how the Native Americans felt about that, the indigenous people felt about Catholic mass, because it is an event. It is very thorough. Could you imagine? I bet they're like, what is happening here? I picture them like sitting in the back of the church just being like, how long is this going to take? I really want to eat. Like, what is happening? What is happening? What are they saying? 
Like, I, I, I still don't really understand the language. Yeah. What's with the smoke? What's with the the eating of the weird wafer crackers and right. the wine? Yeah. I'm picturing it in it. I love it. <laughs> but the story that we're taught in school, thanks in part to Abraham Lincoln declaring the last Thursday in November of Thanksgiving in 1863, it glosses over the true origins of Thanksgiving that took place in 1637. When I say true, I'm putting air quotes around that. Mm -hmm. When the Massachusetts Bay Colony governor, old John Winthrop, oh, he was a fun one, declared a day to celebrate the successful slaughter of hundreds of Pequot men, women, and children in modern day Mystic, Connecticut. Great. So let's dive into it. <laughs> Massasoit, the chief of the Wampanoag, made an alliance with the English settlers following their arrival to Plymouth, and even fought alongside them against the French and other local indigenous tribes. So he chose them. Yeah, so this is the quote-unquote pilgrims that we associate with Thanksgiving today. The Mayflower, Mayflower one. The Mayflower one, yep. Mm -hmm. A colonist at Plymouth named Edward Winslow described Massasoit as, quote, in his person, he is a very lusty man, in his best years, an able body, grave of countenance, and spare of speech, in his attire little or nothing differing from the rest of his followers, only in a great chain of white bone beads about his neck, and at it behind his neck hangs a little bag of tobacco, which he drank and gave us to drink, his face was painted with a sad red like Murray and oiled both head and face that he looked greasily, end quote. Rude. Yeah, you're greasy. Yeah. They're trying to make him sound sleazy with his lusty countenance. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Like, Probably that he showed skin anywhere from oh, the neck down. Oh, yeah. This is true. Any this sort true. of skin. Yeah. He was trying to woo you. the women with his unsocked feet with his his flesh yes that doesn't mean that their alliance was all sunshine and rainbows however what i know more and more colonists moved to plymouth and remember when we discussed the great dying last thanksgiving mm -hmm. the fun plague that potentially hid in rat urine that wiped out nearly 90 percent of the indigenous population before the pilgrims even set foot on american soil yeah yeah i do remember that well, as more and more colonists came over from England and took up more land and spread more disease, killing off more of the indigenous people, relations understandably started to become a bit strained. What? You mean people don't like it when neighbors just start moving into your yard and make all of your stuff die, including your children and your family? I know, it's weird. They're not okay with that? That's weird. That's really weird. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're rude, but I wouldn't say they're rude. <laughs> Fair. Part of this could be due to the Indian Massacre of 1622 at the colony of Jamestown in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Although it was led by the Powhatan Confederacy on March 22nd of 1622, 347 colonists were killed at Jamestown in the span of a morning. And once news reached the colonists of New England they started to get a little antsy. Yeah. Oh, you mean people don't want us to just move into their yards and take their land and make them sick? 
They're not cool with that? That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Now, the massacre in question, the Pequot Massacre, or Mystic Massacre, took place on May 26, 1637. This event was the culmination of four years of conflict between the colonists and the Pequot Nation, which consisted of around 8,000 people across Connecticut. That's a lot, especially in comparison to the colonists. I'm sure there weren't nearly as many. Yeah. Yet. The conflict started with a trading dispute in 1634, when allies of the Pequot, the Western Niantics, allegedly murdered a notorious English privateer named Captain John Stone and seven of his men. This attack was in retaliation for the previous attack that killed Chief Tatobem of the Pequot. So it's, it's kind of your classic who killed whose friends first. Yeah. So if we look at this, the English started it. fired first. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really look at it, the English always fired first because they settled. Yeah. Like, I mean, you if, you, if you think of like Vikings and stuff too, Vikings fought first because they were like, we want this. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yep. Tensions continued to rise following the great colonial hurricane of 1635 that decimated corn and other harvested crops severely reducing food supplies, which in turn spawned competitions for stores for the winter. Yeah, I bet. Especially if you think, honestly, how many colonists at the time would have known what a hurricane is or would have oh, ever sure. like, actually experienced it. So I bet that was like probably a really scary, this is God telling us something. Something, yeah. Right, like whatever it is. And then... They probably just ran with whatever was the most popular opinion at the time. But if you think, yeah, if you think about any sort of like freak weather event, if you've never experienced it before, you're probably just like, why did this happen? In July of 1636, another English trader named Captain John Oldham was murdered by the Narragansett and his trading ship was looted, but it was wrongfully blamed on the Pequot. Mm. This attack sparked several raids by the Puritans and retaliatory raids by the Pequot in the fall of 1636 against the English's settlement at Fort Saybrook. Do they know who did the original raid then? Was it like the French or somebody? Probably not. I don't know. They probably actually mm-hmm. don't know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you like go back in Google history and like ask Google? <laughs> Could you imagine? Hey, Google, can you can you travel in time and can tell you us? Go back in time and tell us who did this, who started it. Use Street View. Can you pull a share and if I could turn back time? <laughs> Google Dirt instead of Google yep. Earth. <laughs> Google Dirt. <laughs> oh. Another such raid took place on April twenty third, sixteen thirty seven, when two hundred Pequot warriors attacked an English village and killed six men and three women. Not great. The colonists feared that the Pequot were planning to form an alliance with the Narragansett so that they could drive the Plymouth Pilgrims and the Massachusetts Puritans back to England. I mean, I mean probably a little bit. Like, hey, these... Get off my lawn. <laughs> these dirty motherfuckers keep killing our people. Let's go. Yeah. Instead, the colonists formed an alliance with the Narragansett after one of their own, a man named Roger Williams who spoke Algonquin learned of the Pequot plot. Mm. So you got to watch out for the men with two, two first names. Yeah. You really do. He was like, a little birdie told me something. 
I'm going to go fix this. Right. And they're like, going to be ours first. Did he understand? Yeah. Did he? Are we sure? Who knows? Maybe. He knew he was starting something. We'll right. just say that. He, he knew he was making somebody happy and was getting attention. Mm -hmm. In the hours just before dawn on May 26th, 1637, 110 armed English and Dutch soldiers, as well as a Mohegan force of 70 warriors and 200 Narragansett, led by Captain John Mason, descended upon Mystic Fort, the Pequot village near modern-day Stonington, and set it ablaze, blocking the two exits, destroying the natives' homes. Wow. What a way to wake up. That would have been terrifying. Yeah. At the time of the attack, over 700 Pequot had gathered to celebrate the Green Corn Festival. Oh, they did some, they did some pretty dirty planning then. Yep. The colonists ordered the natives to vacate their homes, after which they shot or clubbed them to death. Great. So you're going to die by fire or die by brutality, either way. Yep. Women and children who attempted to protect themselves inside the longhouse were burned alive. Great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. This attack resulted in the slaughter of 500 Pequot, primarily women, children, and the elderly, Meanwhile, the English had suffered only two casualties and 26 injured soldiers. That's, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Two. Mm -hmm. And I bet it was like dumb deaths, like they got caught in fire or something. Yeah. Following the attack, Pequot women and children over the age of 14 that survived and were captured would go on to be sold into slavery in the West Indies. I was just going to say that sounds about right. We probably just like sold the rest of them. Because we were really into that. Just yeah. People loved selling other people. It still mm -hmm. happens, but it's not nearly as... Prolific? Yeah. Captain Mason described how the fort in the village, numbering some 80 huts, was set alight, quote, and thus in little more than one hour's space was their impregnable fort with themselves utterly destroyed to the number of six or seven hundred, as some of themselves confessed, end quote. So they were telling you. How many people were there and to stop killing them and you still did? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. John Underhill, who aided in the raid, noted the following about the massacre. Quote, Captain Mason, entering into a wigwam, brought out a firebrand after he had wounded many in the house. Then he set fire on the west side where he entered. Myself set fire on the south end with a train of powder. The fires of both meeting in the center of the fort blazed most terribly and burnt all in the space of half an hour. Many courageous fellows were unwilling to come out and fought most desperately through the palisados, so as they were scorched and burnt with the very flame and were deprived of their arms. In regard, the fire burnt their very bowstrings and so perished valiantly. Mercy they did deserve for their valor, could we have had opportunity to have bestowed it. Many were burnt in the fort, both men, women, and children, Others forced out and came in troops to the Indians, 20 and 30 at a time, which our soldiers received and entertained with the point of the sword. Down fell men, women, and children. Those that escaped us fell into the hands of the Indians that were in the rear of us. It is reported by themselves that there were about 400 souls in this fort, and not above five of them escaped out of our hands. End quote. That's just awful. Entertaining them with sports. Cute. Yep. Cute. 
So essentially, any of the Pequot who were able to escape were captured by the Narragansett and the Mohegans that helped with the raid. So they were probably slaves, too. Didn't really matter. Either murdered or taken. Governor William Bradford had this to say about the massacre. Quote, those that scraped the fire were slain with the sword, some hewed to pieces, others run through with their rapiers. So as they were quickly dispatched, and very few escaped. It was conceived they thus destroyed about 400 at this time. It was a fearful sight to see them thus frying in the fire, and the streams of blood quenching the same, and horrible was the stink and scent thereof. But the victory seemed a sweet sacrifice, and they gave the prayers thereof to God, who had wrought so wonderfully for them, thus to enclose their enemies in their hands, and give them so speedy a victory over so proud and insulting an enemy. End quote. Oh, so this was God. This was God's gift to them, essentially. Cute. Yeah, honestly, too, when they were talking about the fire, I was thinking about how horrific the smell would be of, like, all those burning bodies. Yeah, it wouldn't have been great. Oh, my God. And all within an hour. Many of the Pequot warriors had been away from the fort with Sachem Sassicus, who led an attack on the colonists who were coming home after the May 26th slaughter. Essentially, there were two forts, and the male warriors had been out at this time the attack happened. But it really was a very carefully thought out plan then. Yes. Ensuring all the fierce, the fiercest people were gone. That's why I said it was primarily the women, children, and the elderly that were left behind. Great. Unfortunately, he didn't have enough men to win the conflict, so they retreated to modern-day New York to enlist the aid of the Iroquois Confederacy. That sounds like a cool gang. The Iroquois? Yeah, the Iroquois Confederacy in New York. Yeah. They have, like, leather jackets. I don't know. They snap as they walk. It just sounds, it sounds really cool (laughs) to me. I don't know. I know. It does sound cool. The original gang of New York. Sassicus ended up being executed by the Mohawks after around 180 of his warriors were wounded, captured, or killed in the Fairfield Swamp Fight. He had fled with 80 of his men, but was ultimately captured, and his head and hands were severed and sent to the colonists as a gift and symbol of friendship. Not really what I'd think of in terms of a friend's giving. I personally would not want to receive head or hands of my enemies. Mm-hmm. But um, no thanks. Mm-hmm. This practice of collecting heads had also been employed by the Mohegans at Mystic Fort when they gathered the heads of the Pequot they had killed and kept their scalps as trophies. Now, I don't, I really don't know a lot about their culture, but I would assume that it would be similar to what most European cultures were at the time and having your body kind of separated in any way would ensure that your next life would be bad, right? I'm kind of assuming you probably had a similar thing. Perhaps. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. A second successful raid was led against the Pequot near Stamford, Connecticut on June 5th under the direction of John Underhill, in which the Narragansett destroyed the Pequot homes that still stood as well as the food stores, forcing those who survived to flee. Afterwards, a second day of Thanksgiving was celebrated in church. There were even rumors the decapitated heads of the slaughtered natives were kicked through the streets 
as a form of soccer. I don't doubt it. I think there's probably a lot of horrible feral activity that would have happened during this time because of how exposed everyone was to death and mm-hmm. fighting. I could see somebody starting it. And it like might might have been squashed right away, but I could I could mm-hmm. picture somebody doing that. The third and final assault that would mark the end of the Pequot War occurred on July 28, 1637, near present-day Fairfield. It was after this raid that William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth, wrote that from that day forward, a day of celebration should be held to honor the colonists' victory against the Pequot. Quote, For the next 100 years, every Thanksgiving day ordained by the governor was in honor of the bloody victory, thanking God that the battle had been won, end quote. I'm sure God really loved being involved. I'm sure he loved having that being in his name. Kind of like all of the wars in Europe and in the Middle Mm -hmm. East as well. He's like, you know, you guys. This isn't the Old Testament anymore. Maybe don't. Could you just maybe wait until I killed you? Like that was kind of my thing. I like to turn you into pillars of salt and like smite you down. And now you're kind of like doing it for me and it's killing my vibe. Maybe that's why he stopped. He just got offended that like we started doing it to each other. And he's like, you guys, you, you keep breaking my things. This is why we can't have nice things. This is mine. And like you're ruining it. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. Yeah. I'm going to go make platypi now. <laughs> and praise God for doing Can't so. Be bears. One of two of his wonderful gifts. The conflicts continued long after the slaughter in 1637. King Philip, a.k.a. Massasoit's son, Metacomet, took over the Pequot from his older brother, Wamsuta. Tensions with the colonists continued to rise, especially when his men were killed for the murder of John Sassaman, who was a Ponkapogue interpreter for the English. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense to kill the interpreter so they don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. This act of aggression was what sparked King Philip's War, which raged from June 20th, 1675 to April 12th, 1678. Metacomet created a confederation of numerous tribes throughout New England that stretched across modern-day Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Maine. By the time the conflict was over, it's believed that up to 30% of the English population and half of the indigenous peoples of New England had been killed. That's just insane. Metacomet was beheaded and dismembered in August of 1676, and his head was put on a spike and proudly displayed by the colonists for 25 years. Also not surprised by that. There's no civility when it comes to war like that, and I feel like even then they would have they would have done something similar in Europe. Yep. So that's a practice they totally came over with. Yeah. It's not any more or less extreme. When all was said and done, of the three thousand Pequot who had been living in Connecticut, only around two hundred survived. And that was over just a few years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Of these, they were either captured and sold into slavery or joined other tribes as their land was divided up for the colonizers in September of 1638 under the Treaty of Hartford. I guess you can have my yard. Please stop murdering me. Now take this with a grain of salt. It was a common practice for the English to declare numerous days of Thanksgiving for things like successful battles, 
during which instead of eating, they would observe a day of prayer and fasting. That makes sense. Apparently for years, each of the quote-unquote Thanksgivings would be celebrated until George Washington was like, you know what, how about we just have one day of Thanksgiving to celebrate the deaths of all the indigenous people that we've killed. His poor wooden teeth couldn't take all the crunching. Yeah. He needed more smoothie. And the people were like, hell yeah, that's a good idea, George. Let's do that. Like, you know what, George, you're right. You're so smart. You're so smart. That's why you're our first president. I'm so sorry, George. You're absolutely right. And remember how I mentioned Abraham Lincoln's role earlier? I sure do. A year after he decreed Thanksgiving be the third Thursday in November, he ordered troops to execute a group of 38 Sioux that were starving in Mankato, Minnesota, in what ended up being the largest ever mass execution in the history of America. Why have I never heard of this and I live in the area? Yeah, I'll cover it in a future episode. Okay, please do. Mm -hmm. What the heck, Abe? Yeah. And it wasn't until Lincoln that the modern take on Thanksgiving, being a holiday in which there was a feast, and the one that we're taught in school, was introduced. Since it was the Civil War, it was primarily declared in an effort to mend the rifts amongst the country in a day of mutual celebration and food. In fact, the story we're taught was coined by a woman named Sarah Josepha Hale, who, fun fact, wrote the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. It's really funny that they listened to a woman for that. I'm very impressed, actually. Right? Right? Like, she had a good, she had a good partner, or like, dad, or somebody. <laughs> she had a good man yeah. that was like, you know, she's never really wrong. Let's try this. Sarah wrote letters to Congress to lobby for a holiday as it, quote, now needs national recognition and authoritative fixation, only to become permanently an American custom and institution, end quote. And of course, being a writer, it needed to have a positive spin. Hence the Pilgrims, Tisquantum, and the Wampanoag. Not that the modern telling is that great if we consider the fact that Tisquantum was the only survivor of his tribe, the Patuxet, because he was kidnapped in 1614 and sold into slavery in Europe, thereby somehow surviving the plagues that wiped out the rest of his people. <laughs> he was just hanging out with us, you know? He was like, hey, these white people are pretty cool. I'm just going to like stay here for a little bit. It's fine. I heard they have this like fine. cornmeal and corn mixture. It's really good. You should try it. Oh, wait, you can't because everyone else is dead. I hear they really love salted pork. And you know me and pork. Yeah. Love, Loved love, it love. my whole life. Today, many indigenous tribes across the country hold a national day of mourning on Thanksgiving, honoring the many who died or were killed throughout history. Originally established in 1970, thanks to efforts by Frank James and Aquina Wampanoag activists, on the 350th anniversary of the Pilgrims' arrival, each year Native Americans gather in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and across the United States to take part in prayers and speeches to honor the millions of indigenous peoples killed by colonists. Nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that before this? I think I heard it in passing, but I didn't know that it was associated with Thanksgiving. Like, I had heard the term, but I didn't know that it was Thanksgiving. I thought it was Columbus Day. 
According to Native Hope, quote, participants in National Day of Mourning honor Native ancestors and the struggles of Native peoples to survive today. It is a day of remembrance and spiritual connection, as well as a protest of the racism and oppression which Native Americans continue to experience, end quote. What? No, that doesn't exist. None of that exists anymore. Never not once. Right. Nope. And we will include a link in the show notes to a site with more information on the National Day of Mourning and ways in which you can take part if you so choose. That's really cool. I'm going to check that out. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Because I had no idea. And that is the quote-unquote real history behind Thanksgiving. Okay. So instead of like really celebrating Thanksgiving... I'm just going to really enjoy being with my family. Yeah. A little, yeah. There's like no way of fixing it at this point. No. With the remembrance is important mm-hmm. and continuing to talk about it is kind of the only way. Because this would have been really nice to know in school. Mm-hmm. I know I know that when we were in school, it was very much whitewashed. Yep. And people were trying to be better about actual history. This would have been... Really nice to know, even in like high school, mm-hmm. you know, when you're capable of understanding something like this. Yep. Now you know. Yeah. And knowledge is power. Sure is. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. Hi, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on a hateful homicide, a true crime and investigative journalism podcast dedicated to telling stories and giving the victims a voice regarding the transgender, gender non-binary, non-conforming, two-spirit and intersex communities, in the United States and abroad. A Hateful Homicide, launched on Transgender Day of Visibility 2021, is a podcast that not only gives the victims a voice, but also lets you know what happened to them. Please tune in um, to A Hateful Homicide by listening on all available podcast platforms. And then also please continue your support and also check out our website at ahatefulhomicide.net. Thank you. All right. This week's podcast plug is the A Hateful Homicide podcast. Host Mallory Jenna Robinson is an Afro-Caribbean trans woman and transgender and HIV healthcare advocate in Los Angeles, whose true crime and investigative journalism podcast focuses on the murders, solved and unsolved, of transgender, gender non-binary, non-conforming, intersex, two-spirit, and gender-expansive community members throughout the United States and abroad. Fascinating. I bet, unfortunately, I don't think they have any short shortage of cases. Yeah. But what, how cool that they're specialized like that. Yeah. They are part of the Darkcast Network and just started their fifth season, and we will have a link to their show in the show notes. Nice. And this week's listener question comes from our friend on Discord, whose handle is Cult Augusted. They'll know who they are. And they want to know, what are each of y'all's current favorite shows and which character would y'all be from said shows? Ooh, this is really funny because 
I haven't been watching a lot of TV. Same. And the TV that I have been watching has been The Real Housewives of Dubai. <laughs> what? Because it's, it's just like so different from any form of my reality mm-hmm. that like it's just really fascinating to watch. And previous to this, I watched The Real Housewives of Durban, which is in South Africa. And that was a really awesome show. In terms of relating to them, I don't know if I can comfortably relate to any of them because they're so wealthy Mm -hmm. and like their cultures are just so incredibly different and some of them are just so mean. Mm -hmm. That's part of why I watch it because I'm just like, how are you? Why? Why? Why are you like this? this? (laughs) Why are you like this? So it's almost like I relate to like one of their little dogs pooping on their bed or something more than like the actual people. That sounds really horrific. And I'm so sorry to the Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm sure you're all super lovely, (laughs) but I just, I cannot relate to you in any way. Maybe, okay, maybe I am, I can relate to the thousand dollar blocks of ice that they put in their pools when it's really hot outside and they want to like swim in the pool. Mm Mm-hmm. When you mentioned the dog shedding on the bed, it just reminded me of the Yorkie that Amber Heard blamed her shit on for shitting on the bed yes, during her I trial. Think it was a Yorkie too, actually. Yeah. I think it was just a small dog. Yeah. Little dog being blamed for stuff that they didn't do. I'm just a little yeah. dog. I can't poop that big. <laughs> right. But I think, yeah, that's kind of like the the show that I've been watching a lot of. We've been watching uh, Limitless together at night. My partner and I. And I I don't know if I really relate to any of the characters in that either. It's very early 2000s. And like, it's all about taking performance enhancing drugs. And aside, I feel like the only way I could relate is maybe to the main character. And instead of the drug NZT, I'm taking Adderall. There you go. (laughs) To be more, more alert, more aware. So there you go. I relate to the main character because I too take performance enhancing drugs just so that I can focus on something for longer than 30 seconds at a time. There you go. What about you? I don't watch a lot of TV. So the last two shows that I watched that I enjoyed, one is Our Flag Means Death, which is on Max. I feel like in that show, I kind of in season two relate very well with Blackbeard who is played by Taika Waititi just because in season two, he's kind of like rediscovering himself and what he wants out of life. He's questioning the life Mm -hmm. of being a pirate and based on where my life is right now with being unemployed and figuring out what Mm -hmm. I want to do with the rest of my life. I kind of, I resonate with that. And aren't we related to somebody from that historically? Probably. I feel like Dad told us that. Sorry, Dad, that I forgot. It's one of the female pirates. I can't remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. But I think I mentioned it in an episode where I covered her. I don't know. Probably. And finished season two of Loki recently. Do you relate to Owen Wilson? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't have any desire to have a jet ski. I don't want to spoil anything, but I kind of relate to Loki. Okay. I think we can say that without... You have to watch it to understand. I honestly feel like Loki, despite being, what is he, a demigod? 
Yeah. Or is he a full god? He's a, he a he's full a blown. full blown god. Yeah. Because I know Thor was not full. Oh, I don't know. But either way, I feel like Loki is human of the gods in the Disney version of the lore. Mm-hmm. He, he gets many a reality check, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. In all of the things. That's what happens when you're a trickster god and the god of stories. What's something good you'd like to share? Something good I would like to share. Actually, I would, we were able to get Willie his allergy shot recently. So it is really expensive and he was having a really hard time because where we live, it has just been a really intense, like, roller coaster of it's hot it's cold it's mm-hmm. hot it's cold so allergies have just been awful and he is allergic to something outside we're not sure what it is but I was able to get him his allergy shot recently and when I tell you it was a night and day difference within hours of taking the vaccine mm-hmm. like he was able to just be quiet and like still and sleep without waking up and being itchy or chewing on his body or like pacing. And I didn't even realize how intense it had gotten because mm-hmm. it happens really fast. So he'll be like, fine, fine, fine. And then all of a sudden he has scabs all over his body, like overnight and he's mm-hmm. super itchy and he's chewing and he's ripping fur out within like a couple of days. It, it gets that intense. And so I am very grateful that we were able to buy it and get him the care he needs. And now he's he's a much happier little boy. Mm-hmm. So that's my good thing. How about you? I actually did have a good thing happen this week. I went bowling with some of my old coworkers on Tuesday oh, night. Yeah. And that was really fun seeing my old, my well, they're my friends, but my old coworkers and just spending some time with them and catching up on things. And I I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I wanted to cry, but I did not cry. So I feel pretty good about myself for not. Nice. Getting too emotional. Yeah, not turning into an emotional mess seeing them. It's hard. It is hard. The hugs were really good. Nice. Shall we? We shall. A great way to support the show, if you want to help us out, but you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, and or Audible. I know we sound like a broken record asking for this, but it actually does really help us. And it does. for every new review we get, we will give you a shout out on the show, which is also kind of cool mm-hmm. as a listener. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. As we mentioned last time, there are tons of sales going on the month of November at our Public shop. Mm -hmm. You can enjoy up to 40% off during their Black Friday week, which is November 20th through the 28th. And then close out the month with 35% off November 29th and 30th. So essentially, you can just save a bunch of money anytime you order something the rest of the month. Get on it. Get it. Got something you want to say? 
shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. <laughs>